in these last several weeks, we have been in a series called Pick Up the Phone. Jesus is calling you to a pathway to purpose. And last week, we took a look at the very first calling. The very first reason that God created you the, what was not to be a soldier or, or a servant or a slave or a worker or a warrior. No, the very first calling on your life is to be loved by him. He created you to be a receptacle and not, not to accomplish something with your life, not to, to make something uh, better in this world. No, he created you first and foremost to be a receptacle, to be loved by him. We took a look at a story. Leo, he's up here leading worship. That his calling, his primary calling, we're all called to these five callings, but one of those is our heartbeat. And for Leo, it was that. God had placed in his soul a desire. I just want to sing. I want to sing for the Lord. And, and there are different degrees of that. But that may be your calling. And I want you, as your pastor, I want you to know what your calling is. I really do. Because one of the major questions in people's lives in the world is, why am I here and what is life all about? And that is a fundamental question that everyone everywhere has. And I want you to say, I know what I've been called to do. And in that case, last week we just looked at being loved by God, which we're all supposed to do. But some of us need to express that because it's really there in our hearts. Today we're going to take a look at the second calling. We are not just called to be loved by God, but we are also called to belong to his family. I want you to take a look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. God is the one who made all things, and all things are for his glory. He wanted to have many children share his glory. Now you've heard me say this before, that God created the universe so as to create our solar system, so as to create our planet, and he created our planet in such a way that it would sustain life so he could create you, so that he could love you. And he doesn't want you as his child to be an orphan that is just surviving on the streets. No, he wants to put you into a family. So will you write this down? The second purpose of my life is that I am formed for God's family. If God didn't want a family, folks, you and I wouldn't be here. But God made us to love us, and obviously he wants us to love him back, and he wants us to be a part of a family. This has been his grand design from the very beginning of time. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So the first purpose of God for my life is that I be loved by him. But the second purpose of my life is I belong, in, uh, I belong to him in his family. And God's family, folks, it's called the church. Take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14 and following. I am writing to you, this is Paul. I am writing to you to those of, uh, of you who live in Plano, okay? 
so that you will know how to live in the family of God. That family is the church of the living God, the support and foundation of the truth. Will you circle the phrase, that family is the church? God formed you for his family, and that family is the church. And the third thing that I want you to get is this, and will you write this down, that you are called to belong to that family. Take a look at Ephesians 2, 19. This is our memory verse for this week. The first one was Isaiah 42, verse 2. I am created. I am your creator. You have been uh, in my care before you were even born. And then we took a look at Romans 1, verse 7. Um, And I can't remember it right now, but I'm 65 years old and the the, the gray cells are a little grayer, okay? But that's the the title, okay? Romans 1, verse 7. This one is this week's, Ephesians 2, 19. So now you are no longer visitors or strangers, i.e., you're no longer attenders. Now you are citizens together with God's holy people. You belong to God's family. Will you circle that? Your second calling, your second mission, your second reason for your life is to be a part of his family, and that family is called the church. Take a look again at Romans 1, verse 6 here. You are among those who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. Circle that phrase, called to belong. Folks, this is what we're going to take a look at this morning. We're going to take a look at belonging to the church, not just attending, but belonging. You see, the word church in Greek is ekklesia. It comes from the word, root word, kaleo, which means called. So the word church literally means a group of people who have been called by God, a group of people who have been called out by God, ekklesia. Christianity is based on God's word. And God's word says that the church is called out. Called out to what? To an event? To to a program? To a building? No, 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 no. If If you ask the common person on the street, even a Christian, what is church? They'd say, well, it's a it's a building that you go to. No, it's not. Church isn't isn't something that you go to. It's not an event. It is not a program. It is something that you belong to. It is a relationship where God has called out his people to come together in relationship with one another to be with him. Yes, we worship here at 4501 Hedgecoaks Road. It's the place that we come together. But church isn't a place. Church is about people. It is about people. It is about relationships. Their relationships to one another and their relationship together with God. Today what I want to do is I want to help you and I See the five benefits of belonging and how these benefits meet the five deepest needs in your life. You see, God doesn't want you to be an orphan on the street where you're all about just survival. And that's the way a lot of people are. 
They're scrambling to survive. God says, no, I have provided something for you that will meet your needs so that it will raise you to a level of success and significance. And that thing that I've called you to is the church. Now in the Bible, as you look at the church, it is often referred to by different metaphors. The church is called the family. It is called the temple. It is called the body, the flock, the garden of God. In each and every one of these metaphors, there are some profound implications for your life. And if you understand these five different metaphors, you will understand how the church is designed to meet your deepest needs so that you can fulfill your calling. These five callings, yes, all of us are required, but one of them is primary. So let's take a look at these. The first one is this. The first metaphor that describes the church is this. It's a family. And in a healthy family, one of the benefits is that you are taught who you are, your identity. Now understand something. You won't understand your true identity from your parents or from your partner or from your peers or from the world. Your true identity is found in relationship to God's people. And this is important because in our culture, identity is everything, is it not? And we show that it is by a number of different things. We show that it is by the clothes that we wear. You realize that some of the clothes that we wear, that we actually pay big bucks for those clothes to advertise for them. We got that little symbol, that turtle, or not turtle, but that, that alligator, whatever that is. Or the little initials RL, Ralph Lauren, or we carry our purses that got M MK, Michael Kaur on them, you know. We have all these things. I want to tell you what my favorite brand is, Forever 21. <laughs> Just kidding. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to make my own brand. It's going to be called Forever 65 because I'm stopping right here, okay? Now, why do we have all these logos like Starbucks, like MK, like Gucci, like CC, like uh, Chanel number five, okay? Why, why do we have all these things? Why do we seek to attach them to our life? Because we think that all this stuff is going to help us figure out what our identity is. We think that our identity is truly tied up in the clothes that we wear or, or the brands that we buy or the logos that we attach to ourselves. But here's the truth. Most of your identity comes from your relationships. And we did a whole series on this, on mental health. Just check it out. They come from your relationships, for good or for bad. If you had good relationships, then you got a pretty healthy identity. If you had bad relationships, well, your identity is more complex. I would have you know, I am a husband and I have a great identity. Because I am married to Cheryl Pfizer. She is the greatest woman on earth. And hopefully tonight I'll get roast beef out of this, okay? <laughs> and I would say, you know, she's pretty lucky too. <laughs> she's married to me. Lego man, all right? <laughs> I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a, a, a grandpa. I'm, I'm a small group member. All of these things and more are relationships that define who I am. You and I know who we are in relationship 
to other people. Now, what that means is this, that if my connections or my relationships get broken or are poor, then you know what? I have a harder time trying to figure out who I am. And we know this, don't we? For those of us who've gone through divorce, for those of us who maybe who have lost a spouse through death, we begin to get confused in who we are, don't don't we? Who am I? I mean, what's my place? What's my role? So our identity truly is wrapped up in our relationships. And the challenge, though, is this. Not that some of them get broken and then all of a sudden don't exist because of death, but sometimes the challenge is that we grew up in households that were highly dysfunctional. They just weren't good. And so we wonder, who am I really? Well, the good news is this. Paul says in Ephesians 2.19, you are members of God's very own family and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. He's saying there, in essence, it doesn't matter what your family origins uh, are because the most important family is God's family and you are in it. Now, why? Why is this so vital for you and I to know? Well, for a number of reasons. One is that God's family is forever. It is permanent. This may shock you, but your spiritual family is far more important than your physical family is because your physical family will not last forever. Kids grow up, don't they? They move away. Uh, There's divorce, there's death. And so your physical family isn't here forever, but your spiritual family is. That's why I believe it's more important. And when you get your identity from something that can't be changed, what you are building on is a long-term identity that is here again and again and again and again and not here today and gone tomorrow challenge though is this is that we love to put our identity in things that are here today and gone tomorrow pastor george i'm a red-blooded american well i'm sorry that identity isn't forever either america will not be here forever no kingdom no empire has ever lasted forever none and if you want to build a lasting identity. You must build it on things that never change. And God says, it's the church. Jesus came as strong as he could when he was on earth and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's the church that will be here 5,000 years from now. If Jesus doesn't choose to return, guess what will still exist? America will not be here. China will not be here. Iran won't be here. Republicans and Democrats won't be here. But the church will be here. And I'll talk more about that when we get into our mission series. But there's one other reason. And that is notice how he describes the church in Hebrews 2. Jesus and the people he makes holy all belong to the same family. That is why he isn't ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. Jesus calls you a brother or a sister. Is that not amazing? 
that the God of the universe, Jesus, God in the flesh, fully God, fully man, says, you are my brother, you are my sister. I'm not ashamed to call you a brother or sister. Have you ever had a brother or sister that you were ashamed of? Don't answer that question. Just know this, Jesus isn't. Why? Because one of the greatest things about being in God's family is that your sin doesn't have to define you. Is that not cool? Circle the word holy. He looks at you as holy. He looks at you as without fault. That's why Jesus isn't ashamed to call you a brother or a sister because once you're in the family, guess what? You are in the family and Jesus as your brother defends and stands up for his brothers and his sisters. And so by belonging to God's family, folks, we learn our true identity, uh, the identity that has been hidden from you by the world because the world doesn't want you to know that you are, you are a son or daughter of the king, that you are a brother or a sister, a co-heir right along with Christ. The world doesn't want you to know that, and the world doesn't want you to know that God looks at you as holy. So the first metaphor is in God's family. It helps me to understand my true identity. The second metaphor that God uses to describe the church is a temple. A temple is something that was erected for God's glory. A temple is where God's presence shows, showed up. A temple is where God is loved and worshipped. Will you write this down because I didn't get this in the notes. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Don't you realize that all of you, Paul is saying, Together are the temple of God, and his spirit lives in you. You're a temple. God describes a church as a temple, something that was built. I don't know about you, but when I drive around this area, isn't, isn't it crazy here, all the building that's going on? It's just amazing. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, Toyota moved in. There's building there. Liberty Mutual moved in. There's building there. State Farm moved in. There's building there. There's building going all over this place. And as I look at this construction, it made me think of the days when we were building the big house and the, the kids' house and then the, even the little connection center over there. And when I would walk around those, those construction sites, there was a lot of pieces that I saw had to fit together so that the building would operate properly. If they didn't fit together, then there would be a malfunction and things wouldn't work right. But I also noticed that when I was walking around that there was a lot of, I don't know, pieces of lumber cut here and a piece there and some uh, PVC piping over here, some little steel over there that was just laying around. I just called it stuff that never became part of the building. That's the way some of you are. I'm just gonna be honest with you. The world isn't getting any easier. You just attend. And God has not called you just to attend. He has called you to belong, to be connected. Folks, I want you to be connected. I want you to fulfill the very purpose for which God has created you. 
And he describes the church as a temple. And that you are connected to the temple. That you're not a spectator, you are a participator. You are not a consumer. We, I'm tired of consumerism, aren't you? God wants you to be a contributor. I want you to be connected because the second benefit is this. Will you write it down? In God's temple, I am supported by others. You see, in a building, all the, all the connections, all the connecting parts hold each other together. There will be times in your life that you are going to need others to hold you up. There are going to be times in your life that you're going to need others to keep you together. And if you're not connected to the temple, God says you're going to fall apart. Now this is what Paul elaborates on in Ephesians 2. Look at this in verse 21. In Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You need this. You need to be in the family to learn your true identity, but you also need to be in the temple, being a part of it to get stability and support as you are connected to others. Last year, and I think it was the year before as well, as I was walking Stonebriar Mall, working on my message and different things, I saw, you know, they've got a Lego store there. Have you ever been there on the weekends? It is packed with families. I can remember when I had Legos for our kids growing up, and they were the real big ones, you know, and now they're, geez, and they're expensive. Have you noticed that? Anyway, I'm at the mall, and they're having a Lego display throughout the mall of national monuments. They had a huge display, probably half the size of this, this uh, stage right here of the Capitol, of, of, of uh, George Washington's monument, of, of the Lincoln Memorial. And as I was looking at all these displays of these big Legos, I thought, you know what? The purpose of Legos is that they are designed to connect. If they don't connect, guess what? They're absolutely worthless. But if they get connected, man, you can really build some very cool, cool stuff. But if they're not, they're just expensive pieces of plastic. You are God's Legos. If you've dropped Christ from your head to your heart, you are meant not just to be in God's family where you learn your identity. You are meant to be in the temple, connected to others. Take a look at Romans chapter 1 and verse 12. I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. This is what I call building up the family. I call myself a bodybuilder, okay? It's pretty obvious that I am. Look at that, okay? And if you laugh, it's just realize this. If you're younger than me, this is what you have to look forward to, okay? We are called to build each other up, and yet that can't happen if you're not connected. God says, I'm to build your faith up, and you're to build my faith up. If I'm just building, when, when I build your faith up and you build my, my faith up, you know what that's called? That's called ministry. But if I just build your faith up and you don't build mine up, you know what that's called? It's called manipulation. And you're just using me to get what you need. And God has not designed us that way. 
It is mutual ministry to one another. So why is it important for us to have stability and support? I'll tell you why. Because the number one epidemic in the world is not economics, it's not finances. It's loneliness. People feel alone. Even though we have all this technology to be connected, when you go through something, you want to know that people are going to be there for you. I want you to listen to Tiffany's story. How she, through becoming a member of LifePoint, not only gained support, but discovered her purpose, her primary purpose in life. Take a look at this. Hi, my name is Tiffany, and I am a part of guest services here at LifePoint Church. I have been a LifePoint preschool teacher for two years kind of involved here and there, but not really a part of LifePoint. And so when I started feeling like my spirit was being moved to, to try something different, I joined MOPS to start and totally felt love. That was amazing. And these women just put their arms around me and they were there for me and they told me that I could tell them anything. And I went home and shared that with Tim and I told him that I really felt like we needed to try something different. And we decided to try LifePoint Church. From the moment we walked in the doors, it was a feeling of home that we haven't felt in so many years. We felt compelled to try again and we came back. And after that second service, we decided, you know, we need to have a church home, so let's become members and be a part of LifePoint. And after just that membership, I mean, God opened doors. He put it on my heart to be a member of guest services so that I could be a part of helping others to find a church home and to lead them to Christ in a way that I didn't know I could do. LifePoint has gone above and beyond. They've become our family. Um, We've been through, we've been through a lot this last month. Uh, Tim lost his job, and it threw us through a whirlwind. But in all of that, we have had people that have put their arms around us and told us that they love us and that they're there for us and that they will be there for us no matter what, no matter what we need. They have loved on my children. I see change in them that is amazing. My nine-year-old is on the worship team, and LifePoint Kids pastors are just helping them to grow in their spirit, and they've helped my, my kids through things that I just didn't even know that they needed help with. This is where we're meant to be, and God shows us every single time we walk through this door through a handshake or a hug or just a, a smile. It's unbelievable what He's doing in our life. I'm very grateful to have LifePoint as my home church, and I am very excited to see what God's going to do for us in, in the next few years to come. This is step one. Yeah. This is step one in understanding and discovering your calling in life. And in the process, God come, came in with, with Tiffany and Tim 
when they were going through a rough time and they didn't have to do it alone. God says, I've got a calling on your life, bigger than what you realize, but you gotta take it one step at a time. And there are lots of loving people in this church. Another reason why I have a great identity is I got a great church that love people, but you gotta initiate. It's in your court, it's your choice. Now the third description of the church is that of a body, and you've probably heard this. So what, is the me- what does this metaphor mean? Simply this, that we are all different, yet we're connected together, and together we can accomplish more than if we tried it ourselves. When that happens, when we find our niche, when we find our bullseye, when we find our spot, what happens is that we find and become more aware of the value that we have in life. And so the third benefit of belonging to a church family is this. Will you write this down? In Christ's body, I discover my unique value. I discover my capacity. Take a look at Romans 12, 4 and 5. Just as there are many parts to our body, so it is with Christ's body. We are, all, we are all parts of it, and it takes every one of us to make it complete, for we each have different work to do. So we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. This is so, so important, because it teaches four fundamental truths in these, four, uh, these few verses right here. First, it teaches us that nobody is like you. That different, it doesn't mean you're right, it doesn't mean you're wrong, it just means that you're different. And different is dynamic, folks. Being different is dynamic. When I talk about unity for the body of Christ, I'm not talking about uniformity. You go to some places and they all talk the same way, they all dress the same way. I purposely don't because I want to be different, okay? Because I am different. And so are you. Different is dynamic. Paul's teaching this. Then he says all parts are needed, no one can say, you know what, I'm not important. I'm not important at LifePoint Church. When you build a jigsaw puzzle and there's one missing piece, what is it that you notice first? The missing piece. Every piece is important. Then Paul teaches each of us, each part has a role to do. Each part. I mean, you would look really weird if you were all ears, wouldn't you? No, God's made your body in such a way. You got ears, you got eyes, you got nose. Yeah, you look, you look, man, you look different. But you look okay. And then the fourth thing he teaches there, and will you circle this? We belong to each other. Now, I was gonna have you turn to the next person next to you and just say, we belong to each other. But I thought that may sound like a marriage proposal, so I thought better not do that, okay? Okay. But I want you to circle that that, that phrase, each other. We just don't belong to God. We belong to each other. And each of us needs all the others. I mean, what, what would your body be like if you lost your arm? What would your body be like if you didn't have your eye? It was just rolling on the floor. What would that part be like? Folks, it'd be worthless, wouldn't it? You can't be what God has created you to be and do apart from the body of Christ, from the church. This is what Paul's driving at. You you can't fulfill the purpose that he has created you for and fulfill your calling without being a part 
of the church. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 12. If your foot says, I am not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make any, it doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if your ear, and if your ear says, I don't, I'm not a part of the body because I'm only an ear and not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? No, not at all. All of the parts are needed. And yes, some are more visible than others, but they're all needed. And that's why Paul, again, says in Ephesians 4, in Christ's body, we're all connected to each other. And a disconnected part is worthless. Now, there is a fourth metaphor, and it is this. The church is a flock, like a flock of sheep. We're God's family, and we learn our true identity in it. And we are in the temple, and that is where we support each other. And we are in Christ's body, and that is where we discover our value. And we are in God's flock, and that's where we are banded together. Psalms 100, verse 3. God made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And you may be sitting here thinking, you know, I don't know if that's a very good description because I've been around sheep and they stink. Well, let me assure you, it's a good one. Sheep are innocent. And they have no natural defense mechanisms to protect them from their predators. And so they need a shepherd. You have to care for sheep differently than you care for cows and horses and chickens, okay? Because they don't have any defense mechanisms. They are totally dependent. And if you want to understand that dependence, you need to read Psalms 23 because David lays it out real clearly in those six verses there, okay? But if you want to understand the kind of shepherd that you have as one of his sheep, you need to read what Jesus said about himself in John 10. And so we'll read it. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. A hired hand runs away because he cares nothing for the sheep. In other words, he's, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. But I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. I lay down my life for my sheep. They listen to my voice, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will ever be able to snatch my sheep out of my hands. After you hear Jesus' description of himself as the good shepherd, doesn't that, want you, doesn't, that want, doesn't that make you want to be a sheep in his band? In fact, Jesus used this term to describe the church more than any other term in the Bible. So, will you write this down? In God's flock, I'm protected and cared for. I'm not on my own. In other words, I get to enjoy security and safety because I've got a shepherd who's going to watch over me, who's going to protect me, who's going to lead and guide me. When is that important in your life? When your husband loses a job or when your business is just beating you down day in and day out, or when your marriage is going to hell in a handbasket, or when you're facing some financial struggle, or when you have some health issue in your life, and you've been diagnosed with cancer, and it's not very good. 
you and I need to know that we've got a good shepherd. But we need to even know more than that because we've got more than a good shepherd. The Bible describes there are two types of people who will step up for you in the church. One of those are the pastors. Pastor in the Greek is poimen. It means shepherd. Pastors are to shepherd your soul. In fact, my job description is in 1 Peter 5, 2. Here it is. Let me, let, me, let me read it. Here it is. Take care of God's flock, his people. He's speaking to pastors that you are responsible for. Watch over them because you want to, because you want to not because you are forced to do it. You see, some, some pastors are professionals, and they're just on a track. But God says, No. Don't be a professional, be an amateur, which is rooted in the word amor, to love. Do it because you love them. Do it not because you're a professional. Do it because you love them, because you are responsible as a pastor to care for the sheep. You're responsible to watch over the flock. Now, folks, I take this serious because I know that one day I'm gonna have to give an account for how well I've shepherded your souls. Take a look at this verse, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they know they are accountable to God. That is one of the most scariest verses in the Bible because that tells me, George, as a pastor and as a teacher, I'm gonna hold you more responsible. And one day, George, you will stand before me and you will give an account for how well you shepherded God's people at life point. So let me share this with you from my heart. I take this serious, and I'm not that smart. I need your help. Will you pray for me? Because I wanna lead this church to the place where you grow spiritually. And if you choose to place yourself under my care, where I am responsible for your soul, where you join LifePoint, where you serve this body, where you be connected, I want you to know I take this serious, but I need your prayers. It's not like a business, folks, where you can, if it doesn't work, I'll just start another one. No, people's lives are in the balance. Eternity is at stake. Now, you and I not only have pastors, but we have the help of the flock of God through small groups. 58 times in the New Testament, it says one another. Love one another, care for one another, support one another, pray for one another. The only way that, that this church really gets cared for like it should is, is through small groups. And so I wanna encourage you, come, get a, be a part of a smaller community where you can really sit down and you can grow. Take a look at Galatians 6 too. Share each other's troubles and prob problems and in this way obey the law of Christ. What's that? Loving your neighbor. How can you do that? In community. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage each other and give each other strength. You get strength and I get strength as we encourage each other in smaller communities. So my question to you is this. Who's looking out for you? 
Well, Pastor George, I, I'm a part of the universal church of Christ, I, the, the invisible church. Well, that's really good. And when you go into the hospital and you're on your deathbed, I guess some invisible pastor will just show up and care for you, won't they? That isn't how it works. Who is watching over your soul? Here's a better question. Whose souls are you watching over? Are there three or four people that you get with on a regular basis where you encourage them and they encourage you? That's what it means to be a part of a family. It's not enough just to be loved by God. God has called us to belong. And one day, just like myself, you will be held accountable where God will ask you, what, how well did you do with that belong stuff? There's one final metaphor, and it's this. Will you write this down? In God's garden, my life becomes productive. This is an organic term about how being a part of a church family helps you to grow like fruit in a garden. Take a look at John 15. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful apart from me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Will you circle the phrase, much fruit? He's talking about productivity. And he's making the point that being disconnected keeps you from producing fruit. God wants to produce fruit in you to enhance your life personally, in your relationships, in your marriage, with your kids, at your workplace, he wants to produce fruit in you. He wants to produce fruit through you. He wants you to be more productive. He wants you not just to be in survival mode. He wants you to be in a success mode and a significant mode. And this is what God's word communicates over and over and over again. That you are built into a building. You are part of a body. You are a member of a family. You are sheep in a flock. And all these connection metaphors are to help you fulfill your purpose. And that is why God has called you to belong. These are the five basic needs that are met in your life. You have the need to know your identity, who you really are. You have the need to develop stability so that you're not tossed to and fro in culture. You have the need to increase your capacity, to know your value and to experience that. You have the need for security, to know that you're going to be cared for. You have the need to be productive, to be fruitful. All of these things are found in God's family. And if you and I really live the calling that we have, and we've just looked at two so far, the calling to be loved, the calling to be long, I'm gonna let you know something. You're gonna have a power to live on. You're gonna have people to live with. You're gonna have principles to live by. You're gonna have a plan to live out, and you're gonna have a purpose to live for. Where can you find those five things in one place? Nowhere else but in the church. And God is calling you to take step one. To not just be an attender, but to be a participator, to be a contributor. And step one happens next week. On your communication card, just write your name, your email address, and we'll give you more information. But it's 1230 next Sunday. 
And I would be proud to be there with you. 12.30 to 2.30, lunch is provided. Bonus. Let's pray. Lord, we really thank you that you just didn't love us and leave us. But you created a family called the church where our needs can get met. Where we can become all that you want us to be and do all that you want us to do. Where we can understand the callings that are on our life and where we can discover that primary one. And as we do it, see that there's fruit and where we experience fulfillment. And God, we need your help. God, I pray for our church that you would help us to reach our redemptive potential. In a day and age when organizations are crumbling and being undermined, where people are insecure and looking, where do I put my hope? God, you have created the church that is immovable, where hell itself will not prevail it. And we thank you for it. So God, help us. God, help me. I want to be the kind of under-shepherd that shepherds your flock in a way that puts a smile on your face, that a way that meets needs in our church, in a way that mobilizes us, God, to be what you want us to be as a church. And so help me, God. We lift this up in your son's name. Amen.